Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Premier League spending looks set to continue into the final day of this summer's transfer window. And we've got you covered as the dominoes fall across Europe's top clubs. David Ornstein's in the house, so let's make sure you're up to speed for deadline day. I'm Ayo Akimulere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. All right, this is it. The Athletic Football Correspondence, David Ornstein on one side, Adam Leventhal on the other. Ding, ding, we're in the ring. Here to look ahead to what to expect for Friday night's deadline. Right, let's start with this one. This one's absolutely blown my mind. Antun Fati, Barcelona's number 10, wants the air to Nino Messi. He's now going to be on the south coast in Brighton. This is just sensational. This is Premier League. Welcome. I mean, what better an advert? As the kids would say, this is an absolute banger, isn't it? It came out of the blue. And we're delighted to report on it from from a Premier League, from Brighton point of view. So uh, clearly, Ansu Fati was seen by Barcelona, by Xavi as being among the names they were willing to part with to help them register players they haven't been able to register. Surplus to requirements, not to the head coach's liking. A number of clubs were offered him, including the likes of Tottenham, Chelsea. They considered it. In the case of Tottenham, Ange Postacoglu was keen to pursue a slightly different profile of forward. Uh, It appears that that's Brennan Johnson from Nottingham Forest. I think Chelsea had other priorities. And then out of nowhere came Brighton. And very quickly, this deal has come together. It's a loan. There's no option or obligation to buy. At the time of recording, we think he's traveling over by plane to undergo a medical in the UK uh, and finish off this surprising, sensational uh, transfer that, you know, it might prove a masterstroke. Another one in Brighton's long list. It might not be quite the climax that people are expecting because many of their signings have been sort of under the radar but it is just box office isn't it get your popcorn out because Anzu <laughs> Fatty is coming to town it, does it does that sound quite weird though Adam <laughs> we're, we're listening to this you know Spanish international and no disrespect to Brighton by the way don't don't come at me this kid coming from the academy this this was a Barcelona gem yeah but and I think that there is still a view that he will be that that guy and you know obviously we said about you know succeeding Lionel Messi and all that sort of stuff but I think it's an interesting one because he'd fallen down the pecking order at at Barcelona so there was a need for him to go Barcelona are are doing their own moves it's a difficult um, financial landscape for them to be operating in so they have to shift some wages I'm not even going to go into all the the financial levers because that is far more complicated than my... here for half an hour. Exactly. But it's it's relevant to the Ansu Fati thing. From his point of view, like David was saying, yes, it's box office, but it's how he reacts to this. And Roberto De Zerbi has obviously been important in getting this deal done. He's been able to have communication with him, tell him the sort of style that he wants to play. And seemingly that is 
suiting to him. And he's also getting an opportunity to showcase his talents on on the European stage as well. So it should it should work. But it'll be interesting to see how he slots in. And, yeah, with Matoma you know. being so brilliant yeah. and, and, and that corner. In, and I guess he can play a 10 as well. Yeah. Um, but it would be really interesting. But also, I, I guess, a, a little insight into maybe um, football players. Because, you know, a, a bit like Balogun, who's obviously just gone to, to Monaco from Arsenal. You're probably reading the room a little bit as a, as a young player. And you're thinking, how am I going to get into this current squad? Do you know what? I'll go apply my trade somewhere else. For Ansu Fati, obviously, this is a loan. So there's nothing stopping him com- coming back to Barcelona. So why shouldn't he play his trade in the Premier League, the most competitive league as we know in in Europe? Well, I think it'd be fascinating to see, uh, with all due respect to Brighton, who I've got enormous admiration for, um, what his next step is, you know, how this season goes. Is he uh, putting himself in a shop window to send a message to Xavi and the Barcelona hierarchy, uh, to other major European clubs, to bigger clubs in the Premier League? Could he stay at Brighton for longer if it goes well? Brighton are covering the uh, vast majority of his wages, which shows that they are a force and Premier League clubs, uh, even those of so-called lesser proportion, are able to hold their own with the biggest boys of European football. You know, no longer are you looking at this as being a a downgrade, a, a bad move. You're coming to the biggest league in world football. And Ansu Fati will hope to set it alight. He's just 20 years old. So there's every chance that he, as Adam says, still has the world at his feet. And then Barcelona retains some control over the situation. I guess he now has this chance to shine that he has been waiting for. He's had injury problems that have set him back but this could be his moment okay okay well I tell you what we, I think we're going to be rolling through some very young players you're talking about 20 let's go and have to take uh, a call quickly. Uh, this is how he works right you this see, is how David Oudstein works I'm sticking with you Adam Ryan Havenbach yeah Bayern Munich good pronunciation to, on that by I'm the way I'm trying man I've Nailed got a few it. Dutch friends I asked them for, for the pronunciation <laughs> um Bayern Munich to Liverpool. This hasn't been done yet from what I understand, but we know gaping holes in Liverpool's midfield. It's still a, still a young lad. Is this a low move? Does this look like a permanent move? As it stands, yeah, it's it's going to be a permanent move as I understand it. And I think this is one where, you know, Liverpool have had to do business. That's been one of the, the subplots to the whole of this transfer window. Um, and they've got another malleable midfielder who's going to add quality can play as a as a six can advance as an eight if if you if you need him to you know he's got the physicality he he can hold the ball retain the ball and if you look at the players that they lost yes we know about Henderson we know about Fabinho going to Saudi Arabia but they lost the backup cast as well those flexible players the likes of Cater and Milner and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as well have I forgotten anyone no, I don't think I have. No, no, no. You know, there's there's a lot of players that they've they've lost. They obviously brought in Wataru Endo from Stuttgart, and yeah, it's interesting that that Jurgen Klopp is is recruiting from from a market that he knows well, and it should it should be the the final piece. I mean, people say they they use that phrase a lot, but it, in terms of what the fans have been demanding for Liverpool, it should be the the final piece. In this window, we know that they're evolving. He's still only 21, so yeah. I don't know how much you can expect as a, a groundbreaking sign. And who knows, he might hit the ground running, but still a lot of development still to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's an opportunity once again for, for him to showcase his talents. You look at the narrative <laughs> during this window. I feel sad for Liverpool. Yeah, I, I mean, do, it's, I it's, do, it's, it's been, you know, if you're, if you're a harsh critic, it's been 
you know, embarrassing at times. You don't normally go that public with an interest or a, agreeing a deal as they did in the case of Caicedo and then getting very publicly gazumped. So, you know, they have finally got the the player that they wanted to to Th- fill that hole. Thanks for joining us, David. Yeah, yeah David is now really, really appreciate back in. it. Apologies, <laughs> dear <laughs> listeners and gentlemen. I've given the broader the broader picture, David. In terms of the actual nuts and bolts of the the deal, go for it. This is a live situation. So by the time people listen yeah. or watch the pod, it could have changed quite dramatically. Uh, but Ryan Gravenberch has been a long-term target of Liverpool. Um, credit where it's due, Jonathan Northcroft in the Sunday Times way back in April uh, revealed that uh, Liverpool were stepping up their interest. There had been members of their hierarchy sent to hold talks, I think, in Amsterdam with his representatives. It's blown hot and cold all summer. Bayern Munich are undecided or have been on what to do because I think Thomas Tuchel would let him go, clearly judging by the lack of minutes he's afforded to the Dutchman. Whereas some in the Bayern hierarchy who only bought him a year ago when Tuchel wasn't the manager from Ajax and he's so young are thinking, we don't want to let him go here. We've got a player on our hands. Look, when push comes to shove, if the money's right for for all parties, they would look to do a deal. They've clearly identified Palinia from Fulham, but they do have other targets. They've been heavily linked with uh, Shalabar from Chelsea. And I don't think it will be uh, too difficult for Bayern Munich, the mighty Bayern Munich, to get a player in. Um, and that will sanction the departure uh, of Gravenberch to Liverpool. I sense a, a confidence around Anfield that this is going to get done. Um, but there are moving parts because Fulham need to get a replacement of their own. They really hold the aces here. Uh, they've got uh, Palinho under a long contract, but clearly his mindset is to to go. But then Fulham as a Premier League stalwart themselves now, um, they will have the financial might to say, to say no or to drag it out or to hold on for a bit longer. I think this is a fascinating fascinating sort of three or or maybe even more way deal and Manchester United were interested in him as well he's been on their recruitment list there was a bit of chat about a swap deal with Scott McTominay but ultimately when push came to shove Man United decided to press ahead with their pursuit of Sofian Amrabat from uh, Fiorentina and they're seeking to close that out before the transfer deadline maybe in an ideal world uh, Eric Ten Hag who obviously knows Ryan Gravenberch from Ajax would have liked both of them but the Manchester United finances dictate otherwise and that's one of the reasons why they've had a bit of jiggery pokery at left back too Okay just a quick one I want to go to Manchester United in just a second but uh, Mo Salah is he off to Saudi Arabia I mean look I know we spoke about this before but this clearly very little time for Liverpool to find reinforcements for his departure. But if an audacious bid comes in... It's it's one that a flag was was stuck in last night. So on, on Wednesday night, there was almost sort of an upping of the, the rhetoric around it. Um, but it just seems so unlikely that, that Jurgen Klopp would would sanction that move. The only thing that you, you look at, and I mean, David will, will know more on this, is whether Liverpool would actually go, you know what, we're sensing that there's a little bit of unhappiness with this player. In terms of the environment, do we think, right, well, we are actually advancing and we're evolving our front three, then perhaps maybe is now the time to 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 cash in. But I mean, it's... Attacking-wise, they're not, they're but not it's, struggling. Don't get me wrong. But it's a hell of a... It's, it would be a hell of a hit. And that's yeah, why I'm saying, right. yes, we know that the Saudi Arabia... Uh, window is open f- until September the 7th. 7th of September, so, yeah. you know, you've got another week of hurt. Presumably, within Liverpool, they're just straight batting. We're not selling him. Of course we're not selling him. Their stance is crystal clear. 
Mo Salah is going nowhere. But they can't control external factors. You described it as an audacious bid. I mean, what if they blew the socks off Think of Liverpool in the final hours of the window with a money that's too good to turn down offer and people are saying £150 million. He's 31 years old. He's got two years, years left on his contract. No player is irreplaceable. Um, you say rebuild, but they haven't got time to bring anybody of anywhere near that stature in. Now, if they get Gravenberch done, that's a midfielder. Uh, Darwin Nunes could be like a new signing given his performance at Newcastle the other day. So <laughs> there are scenarios where maybe Liverpool say, okay, and we'll look to maybe reinforce in January uh, and then go again. A lot of this will depend on Mo Salah now. If he really does kick up a fuss and the offer comes in, because at the time of recording, there is no formal offer. We know the interest is there. Alitihad could not be more clear in that. They will do whatever it takes. But Mo Salah, I think, would need to show some unhappiness. Uh, Within the last 24 hours, Liverpool have put out a picture on their social media of Mo Salah smiling away in training. That felt quite pointed. Um, That's classic club comms. It's it? It really club is. He's happy. That. He's happy, guys. Don't oh, worry guys, about it. No issues. <laughs> and I mean, his agent earlier this month said that they wouldn't have signed their new contract a year ago if they intended to leave this summer. Clearly, though, something has changed. I don't think it's as small as walking off the pitch in a strop at Stamford Bridge because they've been engaged in conversations in recent days with the the Saudi Pro League officials involved in these recruitment decisions. So I've kind of given up predicting, but the view on Merseyside at Anfield among the Liverpool hierarchy is... He's not going anywhere, but do they truly know? And you said, Adam, Jurgen Klopp letting him go. What if this goes higher? What mm. if this actually becomes an FSG, a Mike Gordon decision? Somebody said to me, just prepare yourself for some fireworks in these final 24 hours around the Mo Salah situation. That's not saying it's going to happen, yeah. but they're not going to go down without a fight. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's move on to, to Manchester United. Sofian Amrabat, Fiorentina to Manchester United. The Moroccan, you sort of feels just be waiting there going, United, come on, come get me. Come get me, please. But obviously we know Manchester United financially need to shift quite a few players at this moment in time to make this deal worthwhile. Harry Maguire, of course, was supposed to be going to West Ham. That deal broke down. What's the latest on Amrabat right now? Well, in terms of the, the deal, it, as you said, it's one that has been bubbling for virtually the entire transfer window. Um, it's funny, I, I remember we were sat in the Al Bayt Stadium in mm -hmm. Qatar watching him perform. Yes, they lost Morocco in the in the semi-finals of the of the World Cup and everyone was 
grouping him together with a couple of the other star names from that Morocco side and thought, well, he's definitely going to go maybe even in January. Yeah, we but, did say that. You know, it's certainly in the summer. Mm. So he's been up for grabs. And it's just very surprising that Manchester United haven't been able to push the right buttons uh, at the right time. But it seems in this transfer window, the, the difficulties that Manchester United have had getting deals over the line because they're in a state of flux financially at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I think this has uh, taken on a bit of a chaotic external appearance. I don't want to speak of what's going on inside Manchester United, but it's kind of all underscored by the ownership situation. At the beginning of the transfer window, it seemed a sale was going to go through and they would have funds to play with. And so Eric Ten Hag and the football department would have been identifying their first choice targets in all these different positions from Harry Kane to, uh, I don't know, Jude Bellinger. I'm just plucking names out of the sky, but there would have been a number of sort of frontline candidates for them. Um, suddenly it seems that takeover wasn't happening at least until the end of the transfer window they had to work within the budget they had at one point it was like if it's going to be this ownership it's going to just be uh, the sort of budget for a mason mount and then it will depend on sales have to sell before buying but the name that never left anybody's lips was Amrabat because clearly Eric Ten Hag is a fan of his it was always seen uh, around football as being a cost-effective deal. He's got 12 months plus an option left on his contract and Fiorentina were open to doing business. And you do ask yourself why it's been left until this late point to go for him. And now they're scrambling around. They put in a loan offer. It was not well received uh, in terms of the option to buy and the loan fee by Fiorentina. They rejected it. So Man United went back to the drawing board, have a look at their finances. Um, and they've ultimately changed their plans at left-back for no small part, to provide them with the funds to hopefully get the Amrabat deal done. Other clubs have been offered Amrabat by I'm Fiorentina. I'm surprised he hasn't mm. gone there because he was hot yeah. after the World Cup. Yeah, and it was his decision to stick with Man United. And that's why the sort of onus is on them now to get a deal done. And I think there's a growing pressure from their fan base for them to do so. Yeah, let, let's... Marco Correa, um, supposed to be going to Manchester United, played in the Carabao Cup yesterday does that does that complicate things a little bit yeah so again these are live situations we're talking about mark cucurella had emerged as the first choice candidate after luke shaw's injury which we uh, revealed was going to keep him out for an extended period an offer was made an offer seemed to be knocked back but the clubs chelsea and manchester united were in pretty healthy dialogue um i think there would have been an expectation among some involved in this deal that some sort of agreement would have been reached before Chelsea's game against Wimbledon, but it didn't happen. He started, and that's complicated matters because, uh, forgive me if I don't get this exactly right, but if he's then to go away on loan to Manchester United, having played for Chelsea this season, I don't believe he's able to go then, come back in January, sorry, and then be shipped out to another club and be registered again in the same season. So it limits what Chelsea could do. They could keep him in-house, I think, but I'm not sure if they could either play him or they could play him, but maybe they don't want him there. Manchester United know that with Luke Shaw coming back, hopefully, that they probably want their left-back recruit now to leave in January because they'll have too many. And what that has done, and those following The Athletic today will have seen this charted every step of the way, has shifted their focus over to Sergio Regalon, who Manchester United came close to signing before he moved to Tottenham. They also had him on their list after Luke Shaw picked up that injury. And they have pivoted. Sergio Regalon uh, has been granted permission to 
uh, travel for a medical with Manchester United. I think the club still need to reach an agreement on this deal. He does not have this January complication. If Tottenham agree to uh, allow a, a recall clause, um, the Man United can send him back and he can be loaned out or play because he has not played for Tottenham so far this season. Um, and so if all the agreements are reached and the medical goes to plan, then the left-back recruits will be uh, Sergio Regalon. If that proves to be more cost-effective for Manchester United, then perhaps they can plough some of those resources in to trying to get the Amrabat deal done. Honestly, so many spinning <laughs> plates in a club right now. And uh, let's not forget a quick word, Romelu Lukaku. Um, finally reunited with Jose Mourinho in Roma. Well, yeah. And uh, I mean, that was one that was was bubbling for, for quite some time as well. And there was a, a little bit of maybe, I don't know, maybe unease amongst the Chelsea fan base when they saw him appear once again at the, the, the training ground and he was back training and people were thinking, oh, well, maybe there might be some bridges that can be built. But, you know, it's always been our understanding that he's always been destined to, to leave. And it was just a matter of who it was going to be. It was, it was most likely to be an Italian club, obviously the initial deal to Inter Milan, maybe returning there, it just never got never got going again. It was never reinvigorated. The Juventus deal, which was tabled and offered, was not to his liking, and that's due to you know some of the circumstances that we saw last season in in Serie A. Um, so yeah, there is a there is hope for for Romelu Lukaku to have another good season in in uh, in Italy and t- and he gets to go to the to the Italian capital and it's interesting when you look at you know some of the elements of a of a deal that you know he he goes he's met at an airport by adoring fans it, it I'm not saying that he is purely ego driven but it is a it's it's a nice experience for a player to be able to be met with adoration and uh, adulation I should say so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he performs. He was always destined to leave Chelsea. It was almost as if all their business was being done based on Romelu Lukaku being off their books. And they've had to shift things around in terms of financial fair play. I'm, so. just, I'm just thinking about the lifestyle. <laughs> Milan one day, Rom and the other. <laughs> He's eating well, our Rom. Rom's eating well in, in Italy. Right, um, Cole Palmer, yeah. um, this one. From Manchester City to Chelsea. And this one was an interesting, a little interesting for me because pre-season he looked good. I mean, Community Shield scored an absolute banger. Doku comes in. And then it just changes it for him, a a wide midfielder playing his trade potentially at Chelsea or has that deal gone through? Just just very yeah. briefly before before David gives you you know chapter and verse on, on Cole Palmer yeah. it's interesting you, if you contrast what the guy that we were just talking about not not Lukaku but Cucurella this is the the new Chelsea recruitment plan you know coming into force from last from last year you remember you know Cucurella was was signed for what 55 million six year contract everyone's going why are you signing big money players on these long contracts They've now completely switched and now we're getting an, in, an insight into what they really want to do. And this is a longer term planning move for, yeah, for yeah. Cole Palmer. Yeah, so Chelsea, uh, exactly as Adam says, they're, they're targeting top young players, whether it be in the UK or abroad. They uh, also signed a young left back from Everton who was on the bench last night and you just look through the squad profile I think they've gone from being one of the older teams to one of the if not the youngest uh, in these opening weeks of the season it caught us by surprise but equally I'm aware that Chelsea had been looking at Palmer quite closely and studying his situation 
I think the feeling was that he was not gettable because of the good preseason and early season that you mentioned. However, Manchester City have become masters at trading out, uh, selling at a profit in recent times for, for senior players, for academy graduates. And don't worry, they've got a conveyor belt more. He was seen as being one of the big prospects for them. I was told that at around the age of 16, there was some doubt about whether he would get a contract at Manchester City. But the academy head at the time, Jason Wilcox, stepped in. And then during the COVID period, there was a group of young players who got drafted into first team training and Wilcox pushed to make sure Cole Palmer wasn't left out. And while he was there, he caught Pep Guardiola's eye and he really liked him. And that's why he's spoken publicly so effusively about him. But when push comes to shove and these sorts of offers come in and we don't know the whole circumstances, I read that he was a Manchester United fan and, you know, he wants to be playing regular first team football, which is understandable. And Chelsea are putting the money on the table. So it's what, 40 plus 2.5 million in add-ons, I was told. Others reporting slightly different figures. Done in rapid time, undergone his medical on the day we record this um maybe it does suit all parties and and Manchester City at the same time are bringing in Matthias Nunes from Wolverhampton Wanderers so I don't know on this one I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see if he becomes what he clearly has the potential to and that's one of you know the top young English players he's shown flashes of it at the Euro under 21s and for City and now Chelsea will hope to be the beneficiaries I'm just thinking from, from his perspective, he's looking at that squad. They've got a fair few wide players, Sterling, Madueke and Modric. Modric really hasn't hit the ground running. He must be thinking, you know what? If I'm putting the performances I was putting in for City, I could get a little spot here ahead of this lad who was the, the next big thing, right? A big signing fee coming from, from the Ukraine. Yeah, and I mean, you remember when Modric first signed... The narrative was, yeah, I'm here at Chelsea, but I did quite fancy Where's going Arsenal? to Arsenal. <laughs> you know, so and if yeah, Arsenal and it, fans are but thinking, it's been, you know, it, it has been a difficult time for for him settling in new country, everything that's been going back in, you know, in his in his homeland. Um, but I think that the the premise at the moment at Chelsea, especially from Maurizio Pochettino, from what I'm hearing from people in inside Chelsea, is that he's very much giving everyone an opportunity, especially the younger players. Doesn't necessarily want to have a huge squad. I know that might go against what we're, what we're seeing, but <laughs> don't have a huge squad. Let's let these young guys perform and give them an actual opportunity. Because if you have a, you know, a traffic jam in front of you, that could affect performance. It can affect your you know, mental state and all that. So yeah, Cole Palmer does have an opportunity, but I think other players also will be thinking the same that, yeah, I've got a manager that is now giving youth a chance or is is there to develop us. And that's the key change, I think, at, at Chelsea at the moment. Okay, so Cole Palmer out for City and in. Matthias Nunes from Wolverhampton Wanderers to Manchester City and Pep Guardiola. I mean, he's also spoken highly of him, I think, way back in February, was calling him one of the best in the world. Um, wasn't their first choice, though? You no. would not have thought. No. You know, wasn't there from what we hear anyway? Um, but a, a player City definitely need. Yeah, and we're not always going to see teams getting their first choice. I think Chelsea first went for Michael Elise, you'll remember, a few weeks ago. That all blew up on his release clause. He signed a new contract uh, in a brilliant outfit that we were discussing <laughs> off air. Um, it looked like he'd just been shopping. Like. Well, Steve Parrish was not letting go of him easily. Um, I'd quite like to see them change outfits, actually. Yeah, yeah. Steve Parrish in that Steve hat, hat. Quite something. Um, and, and then Chelsea 
sort of pivoted. They were looking for this player to play across the front line in various positions and Cuckoo's out injured. Um, Lukaku's gone, so it's created some space on wage bill, etc. Not too dissimilar conversations going on at City. They went in for um, Lucas Paquetar at West Ham United. They were pretty excited about getting him in. I think the deal, which at one point seemed quite distant because he had an £85 million release clause that would kick in in the summer of 2024 uh, and West Ham saying, well, why would we sell for anything less than that now? We want something much higher in City. We know they stick to their valuations. They weren't prepared to go there, but suddenly it gathered momentum to the point where, okay, he wants to go. If West Ham get the fee they deem respectable, let's have it. And as it happened, I think an agreement was very close. And then it was... uh, revealed that he was facing an investigation into alleged betting breaches. Um, The Football Association, uh, let's see what happens with that from from here on in. But immediately, that kiboshed his potential move to Manchester City. So they go back to the drawing board. One of the most advanced senior and youth recruitment operations in world football. And it was another one that we were fortunate enough to reveal on The Athletic, Matthias Nunes of Wolves. Um, The same day that reports, credible reports emerged that they had a strong interest in Ebere Chiesa from Crystal Palace. But I think for a number of reasons, Matthias Nunes was above Eze on the list. Perhaps Wolves is a slightly distressed financial situation, you could call it. Crystal Palace, Eze best player there, want to fight tooth and nail to hold on to him. And if he goes, it's going to be the highest possible price with time needed for a replacement. Whereas Wolves are used to trading with all due respect, players in, players out. Nunes, we reported uh, on Monday of this week, had stopped training with Wolves and was going to face internal disciplinary action. You know what's coming in this sort of story. Whatever you hear from the club that will reintegrate him after the window, if a deal can be agreed, they're going to I'll agree that it. The deal. money's good. That's, that's and it twisted and turned a bit. You know, there was a verbal agreement in place and a few hours later, that agreement had been formalized Wednesday night coming into Thursday, uh, the numbers had changed slightly. um, And it finished on a 62 million euro transfer fee, uh, no add ons involved in that. And 10% of future sales profit going back to Wolverhampton Wanderers if City trade him at a later point. And then in a separate deal, the City midfielder, another excellent youth product, Tommy Doyle moving to Wolves on loan. They've had a long-standing interest in him. There is an option to buy in that for £5 million. And if they sell him subsequently, Manchester City will get 50% of the profit, which is another That's key good trading business. point good for business. Manchester City. And Doyle could go on to have a fantastic career. I think perhaps even before the injury to Kevin De Bruyne, but certainly subsequent to that, they had lost Ilkay Gundogan. Of course, Mateo Kovacic had come in. Earlier in the window, they had gone for Jude Bellingham. They made an offer for Declan Rice. So you knew that midfield department still needed some addressing in their eyes. I was at his debut for Wolves at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and he was the best player on the pitch. He glided elegantly from uh, box to box and was a very versatile midfielder. Uh, Wolves fans would say there were many low moments in his time at the club in between with flashes of brilliance. Um, But I think we've all seen moments. I I was at Old Trafford uh, for the opening weekend of the season on the Monday night, and he again uh, was head and shoulders above most players on the pitch. But then he got sent off in his final game. I don't know if there was a bit of agitation there ahead of the move. Uh, I need a couple of weeks clear. 
queer. <laughs> I've got stuff to do. He's doing a Neymar basically yeah. at PSG. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, and it's it's just part of yes, they've got one player in, but it just follows a very negative narrative at Molyneux this this transfer window. Not only losing their their head coach because he was getting fed up with it, uh, Julian uh, Lopetegui before the start of the season. You know, Gary O'Neill's walked into another difficult situation as he did after succeeding Scott Parker. Um, but then, you know, you saw the performance, David mentioned it there at, at Old Trafford, they they were able to hang together a, a good performance. And you just wonder sometimes in adversity, even though you've lost the likes of Adama Traore and Raul Jimenez, I know he wasn't scoring, but he's, you know, a striker option. Maybe, maybe they can they can pull together in in a in a difficult situation. But yeah, we know that there isn't money to spend and they are streamlining the squad. So they're not all of a sudden going to go, oh, actually, you know what? We've got loads of cash and we're going to spend it now. So that's the narrative. They are they are approaching this in a very frugal way and that's not pleasing to, to Wolves fans. Just a quick one. Um, you mentioned June Bellingham earlier. Can I just say that's some good business from Real Madrid considering Declan Rice going for that kind of money, Caicedo going for that kind of money, Enzo Fernandez going for that kind of money. And look what Bellingham's already done. Straight in. Is this is the question? Is that because it's Real Madrid? They can create deals like that because they're they're fundamentally one of the greatest clubs in the world. You get someone like Jude Bellingham going, Do you know what? As he said, it's Real Madrid. I don't care what the money is, I'm off. And then you get him for an amazing steal. But there's, two, I guess, there's two elements to this. I'll let David come in yeah. on this, obviously. But if you get it done early, I mean, this was this was in the planning from from around the World Cup time when yep. we were talking about. I remember sat doing a podcast out there talking about this and who's where is he going to go. This has been in the planning, proper marquee signing. So get it done early. But also by getting it done early, you're not having to follow any precedence. And that's what's had a knock-on effect. I mean, you know, we're going from sort of a superstar to maybe someone who hopes to be a superstar, someone like Brennan Johnson, for example. If there are deals that are done that, you know, are comparable in terms of profile of player, they will have a huge impact on the on the knock-on price tag that they will eventually go for. So Forrest, for example, can look at uh, Cole Palmer going for, what, £45 million and go, well, okay, well, Brennan Johnson's done far more than he has already in the Premier League. Not a lot, but a lot more and shown a lot more um, potential, potentially. So we're going to certainly charge far more. But going back to Bellingham, you know, uh, yes. Going back to your original yeah, point, I heard. Amazing still. Great, great deal. Great business. They're an elite recruitment operation in their own right. And they don't have to compete in the way that all the English clubs do for the type of prices that Adam's referring to. Although clubs could choose to sell their players to the Premier League over Real Madrid. But a crucial factor, if we were to hone in on Bellingham, is that he was absolutely decisive that the club he wanted to join was Real Madrid. Take your hat off. Enjoy it. Wish him well. Don't pile too much pressure on him. Let the boy develop and learn. He's got a great structure around him. His father, Mark, his mother, Denise, his brother, Job, who's doing fantastically Fantastic. at Sunderland. Sunderland Whatever yeah. they're drinking i want a bit of that do you know what that is it's west midlands juice yeah. and i've been drinking that since i was eight years old trust me this is a paid advertisement from better health therapy online do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest we all carry around different stresses big and small and when we keep them bottled up it can start to affect us negatively Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? 
It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's betterhel dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nottingham Forest have made six signings this summer. Three loan deals, which is good, and three solid signings. Any more coming in for Nottingham Forest? Because every time they pop up on my feet, I'm like, they've got another player? Well, it, it depends. I mean, it hasn't been as busy last, yeah, as, last as last year. year I think it was, sure. tw- was it Yet. 29? Yes. 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 Yet. We've still got Yet. plenty of time. I'm saying it. I'm exactly. putting it out no, there. You're right. You're right. What, what it all seems to hinge on, or what is key, and we mentioned him a few moments ago, you know, Brennan Johnson, if they can sell him then they will spend that money. And it seems to be hinging on that. Ibrahim Sangare uh, potentially coming in from, from uh, PSV, someone that they, they, have, they have wanted for a while, but it's sort of come on the radar late. If they can get that Brennan Johnson deal done, then they will do that. That's seemingly the, the way that it's panning out at the moment. Um, David, did you want to add on? No, no, no. I just think that money would be crucial to yeah. them. But just to interject and, and reiterate one of your points, when they see a Cole Palmer going to Chelsea yeah. for 40, 42, 45, uh, they aren't going to budge easily no. on their 50 million valuation for Brennan Johnson. But I don't think anybody is going to pay 50 million for Brennan Johnson. So there could be this kind of um, toing and froing in the last 24 hours as to whether that balance tips, he departs because... Mr. Maranakis needs that money to reinvest. Please yeah. continue. No, but it's also an interesting element to the transfer window. And it seems to have had a resurgence over the last couple of years whereby you'll get it, although they're not d- defined as swap deals, often when you've got those big money deals, everyone's trying to control FFP. They'll go, okay, well, we will sell, but we can't afford to necessarily reinvest that money. So who can you give us? And I think that Nottingham Forest are interested in a, in a couple of players. If... Brennan Johnson were to go to Tottenham, then there are a few that they have their eyes on. So we will see in the last, yeah, 24 hours, if Forrest are able to really bring those numbers Honestly, up and, you know, bring some bring some players in in return for Brennan Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And I might just interject because I don't think I've seen any club linked with as many players yeah. and have as many irons in I the fire. That's I said, fires. my feed just keeps popping up. Yeah, they've got a really good sporting director in Ross Wilson. They've got a brilliant manager um, in Steve Cooper and a lot of good people around the club. They've got an amazing fan base to drive them on at the city ground. And they've got a lot of good players there. You should think they should have given the amount of players they've signed. Also, with all and total respect, we're in a season where Luton and Sheffield United are perceived as 
being likely candidates for relegation. If that proves to be the case, there's only one space left and Forrest will fancy their chances of, of having another season in the Premier League. But I've reported on some of the names. You've come up with names, uh, our colleagues, uh, other publications, because they are in for loads of players and they've got different people doing this recruitment work or at least um, putting irons in fires from ownership down to the sporting structure and manager and uh, agents and so on. And so it, it feels like it's a bit seat of your pants stuff at times the external impression i don't want to cast that upon the people doing the work in the slightest um, i think it's fair to say it's a volatile environment at, at nottingham forest and i think that that's that's almost been accepted and and that's maybe you know the going to be once again the narrative of of nottingham forest season but if it works for them yeah exactly like, if all, credit. Stay up, if you stay all credit right exactly all right quick one eric dyer the the utility man at tottenham hotspur um been links to germany obviously what's the situation there very quickly very quickly, it seems as if he's quite content at the moment to to stick it out at Tottenham. There's obviously a better environment. He's got one year left. He could potentially leave on a free next season. There have been offers. We know about a number of clubs that have made offers, but as it stands, nothing has been to to his liking and it hasn't worked for, for all parties as yet. But it, it's certainly one to watch because I think when when players are faced with the prospect of maybe not making a squad or knowing that they're not going to be playing that much, they do have that moment of, okay, all right, I will go. I will go and I'll just sort of take it on the chin. But but that Eric Dyer one, there have been lots of links and he hasn't moved yet. So you can sort of read between the lines that maybe he's more inclined to, to stick around him. You never know. Injury crises happen and opportunities may may arise for him at Tottenham in a new sort of upward feeling environment yeah for sure i mean we're gonna have to wrap this up now and obviously you guys can keep up to date with all the transfer deadlines with the both of you but very quickly um what does this period look like for you you've already had to run out i thought it was a toilet break you know <laughs> you were taking a call you know you were sending an email like morning to, to to night i mean when do you even sleep well we don't um <laughs> so it's been a really long crazy summer probably the um most remarkable transfer window i've worked in which is pretty much every summer and January since I turned professional, I think in 2006. Um, so that's like- I turned professional. You've been limbering up for all those yeah, years. Rather than a student journalist. Um, and sometimes I wish I was still a student. Um, and uh, that must've been like into the thirties, forties of transfer windows. And this is the most uh, head spinning. Uh, some of the big deals early on, like Jude Bellingham into Declan Rice and then Harry Kane, but also um, some fascinating stories like what's happening at Chelsea. You can't sleep on them because they're doing stuff at all times and it's completely unpredictable. But the Saudi Pro League coming into it as well just blew everything apart. And this will be the summer that will be remembered for that, maybe the first of many. And so as a journalist, you're trying to keep on track of it in an ever more competitive media landscape where you know there's a, a real appetite for all of this stuff as and this is a shameless plug to our athletic insiders whatsapp group um that if people aren't a part of keep an eye on it for the future because we might do similar things but that's gone down really well um because people are just salivating for this information and 
journalists and publications and outlets are trying to deliver on that. And, and I think we've done really well at The Athletic and we've bought really credible and reliable, accurate information and, and we'll try and keep doing so. Um, but the intensity, the pressure to do that is ratcheting up because the expectation of the public, it gets higher and higher. Your connections get better and better as a journalist, hopefully, but you've got to be aware of manipulation within the market and agendas and people trying to push this, that and the other. So you've got to check more thoroughly than ever before and make sure you're right more importantly than being quick. And if you can be both, then bingo, you're in business. Um, and so the only certainty in all of this is that come not 11 p.m. because we'll probably get deal sheets in and be going into the early hours of Saturday morning. Um, but once the window is done and dusted, the weekend is out the way because there's a big match, for example, uh, Arsenal-Manchester United on Sunday that I'll be at, then I'm going to sleep and sleep for a long time. Can I say, can I just say, no, you're not. Yeah. Because, because, and you mentioned oh, it there, yeah. because the Saudi Arabian- It's still going. It's, yeah. that it's still September the 7th. Is that, still it? open. And that's the extra twist. Mm. You know, it is still open. And yes, we've had, you know, huge deals going over to Saudi Arabia. What, Neymar, Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo was already over there. Chelsea players flying over there as well. But we don't know because there will be, like you said, yeah. fireworks, there will be- one that goes, yeah, you know what? I am going to go. There are a few names that we've heard, but we won't mention them now, but there are a few that are bubbling at the moment with Saudi interest. And this is going to bring our most important renegotiation of all because all of us have told our family and friends that once the window <laughs> shuts, we're going to reacquaint ourselves with you, but we're not because of Saudi Arabia. So it's a, it's a, it's a little uh, pause and, and extension of sorts. And, and then we can try and, and chill out. And if you thought then you can fully rest, well, it's only a few months until the January yeah, window. January coming up as well, but also, I, can I just say, some of my favourite moments have been transfer deadline day. Peter Odenringi yeah. arriving at QP. Yeah. I mean, that just... Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a super legal fan, but come on, brother. <laughs> Let them get the deal over the line before you, you hit the training up, please. But you have to, sometimes you have to chance your arm. So he, he did go for it and unfortunately it didn't go to plan, but that happens all the time and that will happen tomorrow. That will happen on deadline day. There will be late twists. And we, we don't just say it to ramp it up because like David was saying, actually quite bizarre, yes, the, fan, yeah. the fans are into it. They're engaged into it. But also the people who are working at football clubs, they behave differently on deadline day because it is your last chance. It's trying to sort of you cram before an exam. You try and just do anything you can. And weird things happen on and deadline day. Sorry to squeeze in one tiny supplementary point is that um, these things can change. And also because of that rush at the end, you might go and do your medical in preparation before the deal has been fully agreed. So these twists and turns are real things. And, and there are people within clubs um, who, despite the drama and, and the sort of um, pantomime of it all, these have real life implications and ramifications. And many within the clubs are watching the output of the media with bated breath too, because it's jeopardy, it's theatre, and it's 
box office yeah, it's the transfer it's window exactly <laughs> it is box office so many football fans literally globally glued to all the news feeds and of course you can find out all you need to know here on the athletic as well and also that whatsapp group as well david mentioned thanks david thanks adam and if you like what you heard why not leave us a quick review on both apple podcasts and spotify make sure you hit follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode and also for the most reliable information on all the moves throughout the transfer deadline head over to the athletic you can sign up today for a special limited time for just one pound a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod yo thanks so much for listening you've been listening to the athletic football podcast the producers were adonis pratsides and guy clark with additional production by mike stavro and jay beal the executive producer was ad moorhead The Athletic.